Welcome to Bite Size Human Geography, a podcast meant for students, their parents, and anyone who wants a better understanding of the world. We investigate global issues using human geography concepts. It's human geography made simple. My name is Kara Smart, and I am so happy to be here with you today. In today's episode, we're going to be discussing economic geography. Most specifically, we're going to be looking at basic and non-basic industries and using those as vocabulary terms. We're also going to have a quick study and apply those terms to the energy sector, uh, specifically looking at Houston, Texas, and seeing how the energy sector, uh, those oil companies that we all uh, know, are connected to things like hair salons and restaurants and clothing stores, uh, things that you wouldn't necessarily think uh, that you would think go together, but they do. I want to see if I can explain at least part of the reason for the massive unemployment numbers that you saw this past week, um, really the first full week that we began to see uh, kind of play out in our economic system with all the shutdowns that are beginning to occur. And it's not just for the reasons of local communities shutting down restaurants and uh, businesses. It's much, much more than that. When you're looking at economics, guys, what you have to realize is is it's uh, global economics or even economics of a country like the United States It's like looking at a symphony. And uh, when we're picking apart certain aspects of this, it's like looking at two or three measures or maybe even a few notes within those uh, measures. Uh, Economics is really complex, and we're not going to explain it all in a 15 or 20-minute podcast. But what I do hope to accomplish today is to increase your understanding of a few items, actually just two vocabulary terms that I think are essential for you to understand the reason why we are having such tremendous unemployment. And the terms are basic and non-basic industries. So uh, basic industry um, doesn't mean simple. It doesn't mean like it's a simple industry, like basic, oh, that's so basic. It means basic as if it's a base, a base to a pyramid maybe. Um, And so a basic industry provides an economic base or economic support for a city. It brings in money uh, into an urban area, and so we're talking about maybe a large city. Uh, It brings in money from outside that urban area. So some examples of this would be maybe large uh, manufacturing operations like um, automobiles or computers. So think GM, think Detroit, right, and all of the business that comes from outside of Detroit um, in the relationship with GM, or maybe if we think of Dell computers in Austin, Texas, or uh, you know Apple in Silicon Valley, think of Bethlehem Steel. Uh, many of you probably aren't even familiar with Bethlehem Steel because it, it went out of business before you were born. But Bethlehem Steel, they're the ones who built the Hoover Dam, they built the Golden Gate Bridge, and they were... Um, a tremendous amount of uh, the economy of Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, and the uh, surrounding regions. Um, Tourism industries, think of places like uh, Orlando, Florida, or think of uh, just kind of traveling all throughout Italy. Italy tends to be the most visited, one of the most visited countries on the planet. Um, These all have what are, oh, of course, we can't forget about the oil industry. I'm here in Houston. Uh, We can't forget about the oil industry here in Houston. It's the energy capital of the world, right? All of these have what are called a large multiplier effect, uh, which is basically an increase in incomes due to the injection of money coming from outside the region. 
And the larger the multiplier effect, the larger the increase in GDP per capita. And of course, GDP is gross domestic product, um, total value of all goods and services produced within a country in a given year. Say that fast. Uh, but it's the larger the multiplier effect, the larger the industry, the more power, the more financial power and impact it has on a given region. Okay, now let's discuss non-basic industries. These are going to be uh, businesses or industries that shift money within a city, within a region, but it doesn't bring money from outside of the city. So think of this as kind of like recycled money. It kind of stays within the closed system. Uh, some examples of this would be maybe auto repair shops or local grocery stores. Uh, different types of personal services like hair, uh, hair salons, attorneys, dentistry, dry cleaning, things like that. So you still could have a, a grocery store, say like Walmart or an HEB, which we have here in Houston or in Texas, I should say. Uh, where they do employ a lot of people. Um, and so, but it doesn't necessarily trickle through the entire or, or spread throughout the entire economy. So as you can imagine, when uh, a basic industry or a fundamental industry begins to struggle, then an entire region begins to struggle. So let me, uh, since I'm in Houston, the energy capital of the world, uh, let me go ahead and pull apart what that would look like for a region like Houston. So uh, the petroleum industry, the energy industry, provides uh, anywhere between 5 to 7% of U.S. jobs. Um, and this is in the extraction of the oil, the processing, the transportation. Uh, and if you've been watching the news, and you should be watching the news, at least the financial news, you could see that the oil industry is collapsing, and it's collapsing for several reasons right now. First of which is just simply due to lack of demand. We are not on the roads. I just, as a matter of fact, went up to go get my daughter from college, and uh, there are, were hardly any people on the road. Uh, and so you, when you don't have people that are commuting every single day and they're not burning all that energy and they're, they're, you know, they're not, they may be purchasing other items that are made with petroleum products. Uh, but at least when we talk about for fuel and think about all the planes that aren't flying and flying and the jet fuel that's not being consumed, this has a tremendous, uh, tremendously damaging effect on the oil industry. When you couple this with what's happening between Saudi Arabia and Russia, and if you don't know what's happening right now, uh, those two countries, uh, not to get too geopolitical, but those two countries are basically playing a gigantic game of chicken to see who's going to blink first with regards to um, cutting their production. Because remember that when you produce more of something, the price of whatever you're producing decreases. And the less you produce of something, the price increases. Well, right now in the midst of this oil glut, what you're seeing is Saudi Arabia and Russia are actually increasing the amount of oil that they are trying to produce, which is of course driving down the price of oil even more. And of course, who does that damage? That damages areas that are heavily reliant upon the oil industry. So this past week, uh, that's, you know, living here in Houston, there's not anybody, you, you can't live in this town and not know somebody who hasn't been laid off or, or furloughed. And of course, a furlough, if you don't know a furlough, when you're laid off, you're pretty much let go. Um, but when you're furloughed, the thought is, is the company's trying to save your job. Maybe you might work, you know, one week and then you're off another week, or maybe your company will say, okay, we're going to go four weeks without paying you when we're done with all this. Hopefully you'll have a job when we get back. Uh, but that's what oil companies and, and companies related to that are having to deal with right now. About the average person that's working for one of these companies, 
the data out there, I was looking up some data earlier, and it said that um, 25% of Americans have no savings at all. And only 23% of Americans have enough to cover one to three weeks worth of their expenses. And on, on, as a side note, this is part of the reason why Congress worked so hard and the president worked so hard to get that bill, that spending bill passed, $2 trillion worth of spending uh, to try and get money not only to corporations and small businesses, but also directly into the American, uh, to the American people, because they understand that Americans just do not have enough money saved. And of course, that's a topic for another podcast as the reasons why that would be. Uh, but getting that, that money directly to the American people was, of course, incredibly important because people just don't have enough saved. So imagine if you've just been laid off, okay? And uh, let's say you have a little bit of money saved. What are you going to be spending your money on? Uh, it's pretty much just going to be the essentials. You're not going to go spend money going out to eat. Uh, when you go to the grocery store, you're going to be very, very careful with what you purchase. Uh, you're not going to be, if you could find what you want, your Oreos or whatever it is, you're probably not going to spend money on that. You're probably going to spend money on items um, that you can extend, uh, like beans and rice and uh, maybe, you know, fryer chickens, that kind of stuff. Uh, if you're fortunate enough to know how to cook, uh, are you going to be buying extra clothes? Nope. New shoes? Nope. Uh, are you going to go get your hair done? No, of course not. You're probably going to delay any type of medical, uh, you know, going to get your teeth cleaned or uh, going to the doctor for yearly checkups because you may not have insurance anymore. Are you going to go get a new car? Of course not. Uh, go buy a new house? Of course not. So think about all of these different uh, sectors of the economy now, housing and medical and um, all these other items that even if if they the doors were open for these items, you wouldn't do because suddenly you don't have a stream of income anymore and your financial future is uncertain. We're talking about hundreds and of millions, uh, even billions of dollars that are not being spent in the economy anymore. So this is the danger of when, um, at least in a particular region, when you have a basic industry collapse, uh, it affects everyone. It doesn't just affect the people that work for the oil company. It affects the restaurants that are by the oil companies because people aren't going out to eat anymore because they're not going to work anymore. It affects the auto dealerships because in the region because people aren't going to want to buy new cars. It affects the hairdressers because people are going to uh, are going to go a little bit longer without getting their hair c- cut or colored. So I talked about Houston and the energy sector, but uh, let's think about other cities and uh, other industries. So, for instance, uh, let's talk about New York. Uh, New York uh, is definitely one of the hot spots uh, for the coronavirus right now in the country. And it looks like it's going to be a while before anything begins to change there. And I was reading the other day about how the fashion industry, the garment industry, which is a huge employer in the city, is is really taking a hit because what's happening is is all of the big fashion houses, all of the big department stores, which themselves are on the verge of collapse, are saying, you know what, we're not going to want to order for the fall because people aren't buying, aren't going to be buying clothes because they're going to be financially impacted. And so now those big fashion houses. And small fashion houses are beginning to uh, lay off people in the tens of thousands. So in addition to all the other damage that's beginning to happen in the New York area, then you have this financial collapse. Let's talk about a place like Orlando, Florida, where you have Disney World and you have Universal Studios. And Orlando tends to be a hub not only for individual you know, family tourism, but also for conventions. It's a, it's a 
big place for conventions. There aren't going to be any conventions in Orlando anytime soon because who's going to want to go to a convention where there's 10 or 15,000 people? It's not going to happen. So once again, think about the financial impact on that particular region, the people working at Disney World. Uh, We have several friends whose uh, kids are, are interning or were interning at Disney. They've all been laid off now. They don't have jobs anymore. Uh, they're not living in apartments there anymore. So those apartments aren't going to be filled up. Uh, and, and all of that is just part of this whole trickle-down effect that begins to occur when you have a basic industry that collapses. So I know what you're thinking. This is a really depressing podcast. <laughs> is there any good news at all? And uh, I will say, I, I think I think we will recover as a country, but I do think it's going to take time. And unfortunately, we don't really have a model for what's happening here. If you look at what happened after 9-11, that was kind of a, an, an event that was similar, right? It came on suddenly. Nobody was really expecting it. But the deal with 9-11 is you didn't have, you had certain industries that were impacted greatly, uh, air the airline industry, and of course, everything, the financial services industry throughout New York, um, hugely impacted by it. But here locally, uh, like I obviously I'm in Houston. Locally, we didn't. Uh, you know, I remember the the day after 9/11. I remember going to Walmart to go buy an American flag, and uh, they were sold out of American flags. But they we still had food. This was not an issue of food was uh, was gone, or stores were being shut down, or restaurants were closed. So that deep financial impact didn't happen across the board uh, throughout the entire country. And uh, so I think it's kind of, it's going to be kind of difficult. And I think anybody who tells you that they know what's going to happen, they don't know what's going to happen, guys. They just don't. This is just, we're in uncharted territory. The positive thing is that we do have some brilliant, brilliant people on this planet uh, that are coming up with all kinds of ideas on how to solve these problems economically and medically. And so I do think uh, that we're not going to be stuck here for forever, okay? So I am positive about the future, but I, I, I do think that we're going to be uh, in a difficult situation for a while. I don't think this is going to be a quick turnaround um, by any stretch of the imagination, but I also don't think that this is the end of the world as we know it either. So, you know, I lived through Hurricane Harvey, uh, and for those of you that lived through it, you know, you're going to know exactly what I'm saying here. Things seemed really dark during that time. It seemed like we were never going to make our way out of it. Uh, I still recall, you know, the floodwaters surrounding our house and thinking, oh my gosh, this is the worst thing ever. Uh, how are we going to make it through? And you know what? We did. Uh, human spirit has a, has a really amazing way of trying to, of conquering uh, every, just about every difficulty. And especially when we work together, there's really nothing that we can't accomplish. Now, I know that sounds super hippy dippy, and it probably is to a certain extent, but I think I've lived long enough to realize that humans do really do have a remarkable capability to do good uh, and not necessarily evil when uh, faced with a common threat. And one more final item to think about before we end uh, the podcast for the day is the the understanding that things are going to be changing across the planet now. Uh, I don't have time to get into it today. Well, this will be a whole other podcast, but there's this whole concept of reshoring, of bringing manufacturing back to the United States. I think you're going to start seeing this happen in earnest now. Um, Already, there are some tech companies that are signaling they're looking for locations either in Mexico or in the United States. 
And I think, quite frankly, you're going to see a tremendous amount of this happen now. It, it really began uh, uh, over a year ago during the whole, uh, the whole uh, tariff issue with China. Uh, but I, I really think this is going to be brought to the forefront now, especially with regards to industries that are now considered part of national security, antibiotics, ventilators. Any type of medical supply, I think you're, you're not going to see those being produced in China anymore uh, at all. And uh, that will, of course, provide jobs, manufacturing jobs, technology jobs. Uh, so there, there's, there's a light at the end of the tunnel here. And uh, this is not going to be all doom and gloom for me at all. But it is going to take time. All right, that's all the time that we have today. And I am so happy that you were here with me today. Be sure to join me next time when we discuss the geopolitical implications of everything that's happening with regards to the coronavirus. We'll look specifically at China and South China Sea and Taiwan. Make sure that you click subscribe to support this podcast and to get all the latest updates as they happen. And feel free to email me at bitesizedhumangeo at gmail.com with any questions that you'd like answered. This is your show as much as mine. See you next time.